Well, would you join me in Jeremiah 29? Open your copy of God's Word to Jeremiah 29, whether that is an electronic copy or whether that is a paper copy, Jeremiah 29. We begin our series this morning on Scripture stories. And Scripture stories, the idea came to me from my brother, Pastor Tim Johnson, over at New Covenant Church on 84th Street, um, with sharing Scriptures that have been impactful in our lives at times of challenge to us. And so in a couple minutes, I'm going to invite Lainey and Dave Hegberg to join us on the stage. And Lainey's going to share her story. But next week, we'll have Kathy Bateman talking about I can do all things through Christ to even forgive. The following week, uh, Miss Jody Stauffer about God on my side and a variety of scriptures that impacted her through some difficulties in her life. And then finally... Uh, God Works All Things for Good, the last Sunday of the month with Mark Pomeroy. So you'll want to be here for those. And if you can't be here, remember, you can always go to our website, southviewbaptist.org backslash podcast, or you can subscribe on iTunes as well to hear these stories of how real people have had God's Word impact their lives. So Setting the stage a bit for Jeremiah, a couple things we need to know about him because we don't want to just jump into a book and take it out of context and not know too much of the context, but just very briefly to tell you, God's people were in captivity. They had done some things that God allowed them to be judged by another nation, that they were carried into captivity, and they had been told it's going to be 70 years that you'll be there, and you will get out, and God does have a plan for you, and you will come back to the promised land, but while they're there... It wasn't easy. And so Jeremiah comes as a prophet, and unlike other prophets in the Old Testament, where, yes, they may have had some opposition, they were generally preaching a future hope that is good. But Jeremiah, because God told him to preach, you need to surrender, and you need to submit, and you need to stay in captivity, at least for now, he had more opposition than any prophet in the Old Testament. And frankly, many commentators believe if God hadn't physically protected Jeremiah, that Jeremiah would have been martyred. He would have been killed for the message that he was proclaiming on God's behalf. And his ministry really focused on two things, the story of God's sovereign plan, that God is sovereign throughout history, he's in control, but also on God's wayward people that even though they were involved in immorality and idolatry, and immorality always accompanies idolatry. I tweeted that this week. You probably need to write that one down. Immorality always accompanies idolatry. If we've got some sort of immorality in our life, we've probably made an idol out of something that doesn't deserve God's place, and that leads to the sinfulness or vice versa. But Another interesting fact about Jeremiah is to know that he's the most Christ-like, at least considered the most Christ-like of the prophets by many's. They had a variety of things in common, including the fact that they both had a message for Israel and the world, that they both taught using nature elements and symbols, things that people would understand, uh, word pictures. They were both highly conscious of their call for God or call from God and obeying him. They were both accused of political treason against the nation of Israel, even though they were doing God's work, and they were both rejected by their own family, among a few things. But what most be the, or may be the most endearing thing about Jeremiah is the fact that he's honest. He's transparent. And I would submit to you that if you want to learn about how to have an intimate relationship with God, read the book of Jeremiah. And yes, there are going to be some words and terms and history that you're going to go, okay, I don't quite get this. But from the rest of the context where Jeremiah pours out his heart to God in a very honest way, when he's hurting, when he's fearful, when he's anxious, when he questions God, we learn from Jeremiah that we can do all those things too. God put the book of Jeremiah in the Bible in order that we might see how to walk with God through the toughest times in life. I think you're going to see that through Laney's story as well. So I'm going to invite you to stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word. If you've got your copy of God's Word, if you're able to stand with me, and we'll read these verses, Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11 through 14. 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will come upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I've banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place which I carried you into exile. Let's show our scripture memory verse of the month there, Chris, and we'll ask everybody to say that with us. If you're our guest, we'll say the reference, the verse and the reference again. Let's say it together out loud. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Jeremiah 29, 11. Let's pray together. God, our Father, we come before you as we open your word, but we also invite a sister and brother to come to the stage to open their lives and share their story with us. And I know it's not just this one scripture, but many scriptures and countless prayers over years that have carried Laney and Dave through everything they've been through. But God, we call on you now to speak to us by your Holy Spirit through your word, through your sister, by your spirit, that we might learn from you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, friends, if you'd be seated, and I'd like to ask you to join me in welcoming Laney and Dave to the state. So as they're coming, um, let me tell you that Dave does not have a microphone. And if you know Dave, you know there's a reason he doesn't have a microphone. Uh, although it might be good if he had one. You guys, I don't know who wants to sit where. I just kind of put these up here. It might be good, but then again, uh, maybe he'll need to take the microphone and say something as need be along the way. Yeah, yeah. But uh, Dave and uh, their elder son uh, were the first folks I got to baptize as pastor here almost 13 years ago. And I'll never forget Dave coming into my office and using a Texas expression. He was as nervous as a long-tailed cat in a room full of rockers. And I said to him, Dave, this is not the principal's office. I'm just the pastor. And I know you don't know me, but I'm here to be your friend. It's okay. You know, because he had already made a decision to trust Christ as his Savior, but he wanted to talk to the pastor pretty much to make sure you'd, you did the right thing, right? And get assurance that you were going to heaven. And then talk about baptism. And so Dave and I have spent a lot of time together, running together, a little fishing together. Um, There's some adventures there as well. Uh, And then time with their family, with a variety of family issues and health issues in and out of the hospital. So it's been my privilege to know Laney and Dave as their pastor, but also as their brother in Christ and friend. And I'll just say this for some of you that think, wow, I haven't got to spend that much time with Pastor Aaron. You may not want to that way, right? (laughs) Do you want to have somebody in the hospital uh, once a year and have me there hanging out with you? Probably not. But you know you can invite me over to your house anytime. I would welcome an invitation to come sit down and visit with you. Or, you know, a brother in Christ will share breakfast, coffee, lunch, whatever you want to do. I'd love to visit with you. But based on what's happened in their life, maybe I've got to spend a little more time with Laney and Dave than some of the other church families. And that's made them very dear to me. So when I asked a couple months ago about this idea, uh, Lainey said she'd be willing to. I thought, amen, let's go. So Lainey, I'm going to shut up and let you talk a little bit and kind of introduce where you're at and tell folks why you're here and those sort of things. My name is Lainey Hegberg. This is my husband, Dave. Um, Our youngest is Christopher. He's out here today. Wave. Thank you. Um, (laughs) Mom tells you um, what to do. (laughs) Right. So right now in our lives, um, we have Chris, who's 19, a daughter who's 22, and our oldest, who is 31, who is expecting their third child. Wow. Anytime. Um, So that's uh, exciting for us. Um, A little bit about our story was back in 2009, August of 2009, um, we heard the the three words that you just don't ever want to hear, and that was, you have cancer. Um, Dave was diagnosed with stage 3 TB prostate cancer. Um, 
And from there, it just, um, it was kind of almost a snowball spiral into a lot of different things. Um, he kind of had a rough time through all of that. Um, through that, our son Christopher got sick. Um, he, he was sick with something nobody knew. Um, it, it took a, almost an entire year. This time, um, we lost a couple hospital stays. Um, uh, also through this time, um, we lost Dave's mom. She was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer, um, and she passed away two weeks to the day that she was diagnosed with that. Um, there was a lot of times where um, I had a hard time um, trusting that um, God really had a plan for me and that, um, that he cared enough to make sure that um, we were to have a little hope in our future, and I had no idea what our future would hold. Um, and at the time, I was a little pessimistic about that, and um, I, for a long time, I was ashamed to say that I, I didn't have a lot of trust. Um, I didn't want to give up my control. I, I couldn't figure out how God could um, take care of, of my boys the way that I would take care of them. Um, you know, who takes care of your child better than the mom? And um, I wasn't willing to give that control up to God. Um, a lot of times I just felt like my prayers were not being heard. Um, there was times I felt like, why even bother um, saying those prayers? Um, that, that was hard for me. Um, I had lost a lot of hope. I, at one point, just was hopeless. Um, so um, my mom had told me one time, no matter, what, no, no matter what kind of day you're having, every day find one thing to be thankful for. Find one, one blessing in that day, whether it be that you have green grass or, you know, as, as little as it might seem. Um, but I remember those days when, when I would find those little things to be thankful for. Um, I would always find the sense of peace. Like, mm. it, it was a sense of peace that only God could give. And, and for that, that moment, there would be that hope. And, and I would refer back to this verse and be like, okay, you know, th- there is hope. And he's giving me hope. And um, so for those brief moments, I would be able to have that peace and that hope. Um, I would refer back to these verses and think, you know, he does hear me. He tells me, I mean, it's as simple as, as it can be, you know, pray to me and I'll listen. You know, I mean, how, how much more simple can that be? You know, um, so, um, some days were hard and, and some days were easier for that, but that's kind of, um, a little all around general. So we just said to everybody, it was uh, October 2005, roughly. It's when I came that Dave trusted Christ as a Savior. When was that for you? Um, um, I was, I think, 11. As a child, mm-hmm. raised in a Christian home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, yeah, I just want to make sure you guys heard that one. So you all need to know, we didn't rehearse this, okay? Um, and we talked about how this is going to go. And so here's where I want you to look at the screen because we're going to go back and forth uh, because there's still a sermon here and Lainey is just the illustration to the sermon. And that's the first point on your outline. And the first point on your outline today, and you can fill in the blanks there, is that God assures his sovereignty. God assures us of his sovereignty. And we see that in verse 11, the first half of it. And um, basically our model is going to be that I'm going to introduce part of the scripture. Lainey's going to explain something and how that impacted her life. So you're going to hear more details of the story that she just introduced as we unfold this over the next 20, 30 minutes or here. But look at your Bible in verse 10. It says, For this is what the Lord says, When 70 years are complete for Babylon, I will come to you and will fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back. God's ultimate purpose is, For his people is his gracious promise. And we're not Israel, but we are his people through Christ. And he has promises for us through his word that we can claim and we can trust. And that's the bottom line of this entire sermon series, Scripture Stories, of how God chooses to bless us. But look at verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Your point says God assures his sovereignty. 
Sovereignty means rule and reign. It is power, authority, and ability. And God has the rule and reign over all creation. He has all power, all authority, all ability to do anything He wants at any time. And so when God assures us of His sovereignty, you can believe it. It's an interesting thing that in the Hebrew, and in the Hebrew language, it's not as expressive as the Greek language the New Testament is written in. But in the Hebrew, there's an emphatic stage here at the beginning of verse 11. And literally where it says, therefore, I know the plans I have for you. In the Hebrew, it says, for I, comma, I know the plans I have for you. That repeated word is for emphasis, just like we do it. When we say something like, wait, wait, wait. You know, it's not just sort of wait, it's wait, wait, wait. You know, or stop, stop. You know, so God through Jeremiah is getting the attention of his hearers then and those of us that read it today saying, it's me, God. I'm the one that has a sovereign plan for you beyond what you can imagine. Do you notice that next phrase there when it says, I have for you. Who's the I? It's God, the sovereign God of the universe. And then the next phrase declares the Lord, the Lord God. So just in case you didn't know who it was, he needed to make sure you knew who it was. Whose plans are they? God's. And what are they for your future and your hope? And we're going to get there in just a minute. But uh, Lainey, tell us some more about that, that idea of God assures us of his sovereignty and how you saw that in your life. Well, um, after Dave was diagnosed um, and we talked to more doctors, um, we only had really one option and that was to have surgery to remove his tumor and then um, he would have 40 rounds of radiation also. Um, the oncologist told us he had about 18 to 24 months, and that was with the surgery and with the treatments. Um, praise Jesus, we're nine years out. Amen. We we're... just had a six-week checkup, or a six-month checkup this last week, and everything's good. So, yeah. Um, anyway, when you, when you hear something like that, you have this, um, these feelings of, devastation and fear and hopelessness and anger and urgency and um I just felt like um things were crumbling I I didn't know how um how God was expecting us to to do this our kids were young um Chris was 10 and Sam was 13 um, Mike was already out of the house, but I, I was like, I have two kids. I got to figure out how I'm, I'm going to raise these kids. And, and I remember telling Dave before surgery, I'm like, just do whatever you do. Do not make me raise these two kids on my own. I was <laughs> cannot do this. And, um, you mean your kids are that challenging? <laughs> Chris, <laughs> they weren't at that time. Yeah. <laughs> Things have changed throughout the years. Uh. Um, <laughs> But, um, you know, you just feel completely helpless and completely out of control. Um, but I, I don't give up control easily, and that's something that I struggle with. Um, I, I um, don't like to give God all the control, usually. I don't like to give Dave all the control. Uh, but, uh, Anybody else have control issues out here? Please raise your hand. We could make you stand up and say your name, but we'll just let you stay seated. So anyway, um, I just felt like I, I wasn't willing to give that control to God, and um, therefore I struggled emotionally and mentally and, and even more spiritually. Um, that was something that I was really struggling with at the time. Um, so we've got a question for everybody that's on their outline, Laney, and it hits right to what you said, and that's where do I need God's control? Most of us do a really good job, or at least we try to do a good job controlling our own little world. You know, we want things a certain way, and if it's not a certain way, we get frustrated. And how do we know you have a control issue when the internet doesn't go as fast as you want? We know you've got control issues. 
when traffic gets in your way. We know you've got control issues. When the person who is annoying at work gets you know, in your way or burdens you. We know you've got control issues. We, we all struggle with them. It's part of the human nature. So that's why I ask the question this way, and that's where do I need God's control? But Lainey, you were faced with a situation where you couldn't control it, right? I mean, you can't control cancer. No. You can't control healing. No. We knew the doctors had a plan, and we're thankful for medicines and doctors and surgeries and chemo and all that terrible stuff, but at least Dave's still here. But the question for all of us is, where do we need God's control? What areas of our life do we need to surrender? I'm talking to you right now, friends. So not just think about Lainey and what she needs to surrender. What do you need to surrender? And how can you pray, read your Bible, memorize Scripture, meditate on Scripture, journal your thoughts, even if you're screaming to God on page? And where do you need accountability and encouragement? Somebody come alongside you that's in your church family or another believer in Jesus that may be part of your extended family. Maybe you need to get in a Sunday school class or a small group with some people that they can encourage you so that when you're struggling with anything, they're with you. So we go to your next part of that verse. The next part of the verse there. And your next point on your outline says that God guarantees our future. So we have that God assures His sovereignty. And not only does He assure that He is sovereign over the whole world, but the next part makes it even better because now He talks to us and He guarantees our future. Look what He says in the end of verse 11. Remember, it says, I I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Then he says, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. It's interesting to me that, again, Hebrew language is not too expressive. But uh, in this verse, the same one that had the I, I know emphatic, that this last phrase, to give you a hope and a future, is literally a hendiadis. It's when two words, two concepts come together to make one thing that's related. And you've heard me talk about that in uh, Second or First Timothy. We talked about the role of women in the church. And it literally means a hopeful future. Write that down. God guarantees our future. Write down a hopeful future. A hopeful future. Literally an end that there is hope in. So here's a question for you. Who doesn't want to have hope for your future, right? I know sometimes we walk around dreading what might happen in the future. Like Lainey was honest to admit, what if Dave's not here? Like we've been struggled with, what if I lose my job? What if my spouse leaves me? What if something terrible happens to my child? We want a hopeful future, but we've lived long enough to know that stuff doesn't always go right. And so if we're honest, we all struggle with some fear, some anxiety, some doubt. And trust and faith are not at the top of our list. So, Laney, as we think about that idea of uh, God guaranteeing our future, I mean, how did he speak to you about that? Um, Well, first I want to kind of go back to what you had said about, um, you know, having an accountability person or someone you can talk to. because I didn't do that. I, I withdrew um, from family and from and friends, and I just kind of, um, I felt like I didn't want to bring anybody else into my mess, and it was just easier for me to um, deal with it, and I, I felt like um, I was protecting Dave, and so he didn't have to see the emotion of that for me. So really, you tried to carry everything yourself, not even share it with Dave, how you were right. feeling. Right. Because Dave, um, if any of you know Dave well, his, he lives for protecting his family as mm-hmm. far as, you know, any sort of, um, whether it's physical, mental, spiritual, I mean, anything. He will do anything to protect me and our children. And I just felt like if I protected him from seeing that fear or that hurt, then um, it would just make it easier for him. And so 
I would really encourage anybody that is going through something like this to bring alongside somebody. Amen. Um, it, it, uh, I wish I would have. Okay, Pastor Laney just gave you something to write down. <clears throat> bring somebody alongside you. You know, have somebody to encourage you. Have somebody to talk to, to share your soul with, to bear your burdens with. So, but you said you want to go back. You've got something else you want to say about God guaranteeing our future or about hope or... Um, well, you know, it's, it's a lonely time. And um, I, I, just one little story was, um, I remember the day after Dave's surgery, um, something had gone wrong. Um, they didn't know what it was, but they had lost his pulse and his blood pressure. Um, they brought in all the emergency doctors and did all this stuff. And one of the doctors came over to me and said, um, is there somebody I can call for you? Do you have some family that can come and be with you? You shouldn't be alone right now. And I was like, no, you know, and I was just alone. And I just felt this overwhelming sense of loneliness. And then I would refer back to this verse and, you know, it's like, all I have to do is call in on him. You know, I just have to call him. I am never alone. I am never, ever alone, no matter how alone I feel physically, um, I'm never alone. Amen. Yeah, and we're going to get to that in the next verse where God talks to us about that. So Laney's given us a good segue, but we got a question for you. And that's, how does God give me hope? That's on your outline. When you think about the thing, how does God give you hope for the future? Your anxieties, your fears, your worries. How does God give you hope for the future? I think part of it is what comes next. That you are never alone. Look at verse 12. So God has said, I, I know the plans I have for you. So he assures us of his sovereignty. And then God says that he guarantees our future. Plans to give us a hopeful future. But then look at verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. Now I'm going to go on and read verse 3. I will seek you. Uh, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Notice these different phrases for our relationship with God that talk about how we seek God and uh, uh, pray to God. Look, the first one was call upon me. The second one is come. The third one is pray. And then the fourth one is seek. And you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. Five different ways in the next two verses God says to us, when you think everything is lost and you're at the bottom of life, You need to remember that I'm in charge, and I have a hopeful future for you, and I'm begging you to call out to me. He can and he will hear our prayers. Maybe you need to write that down. God can and will hear my prayers. He wants us to call upon him. He wants us to listen to him. Your third point on your outline there. Your third point, Chris will put up on the screen, is that God vows His presence. God vows His presence. He absolutely, positively promises that He's going to be there. Uh, I, I pulled into that the first part of verse 14 that I didn't read. Notice that. He says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and bring you back from captivity. I will be found by you. By you. When you seek me, I will be found by you. You can trust God no matter what. So, Lainey's got an explanation about that part as well, as far as God's presence in your life. And she's already alluded to it, but what else would you tell us about that? Um, Well, there's many times I would retreat back to this verse and be reminded of God's promise. I mean, promise of of hope and promise of a future and that he really didn't want bad things for me. He didn't want bad things for my family. Um, when we found out that Chris was sick, um, we, we didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know what to do. I just knew I needed to protect him and get him better. And I would beg and plead with God to heal him. Um, relieve him of his pain um I didn't know why God wasn't hearing me 
I couldn't figure out why. Like, I'm not yelling loud enough at you, or, you know, I mean, I can yell pretty loud. And so he was like, why? <laughs> um, I just started to feel like my, my prayers were pointless, um, that um, it seemed to me that God just wasn't hearing my prayers. And, um, you know, then I'd be reassured that, you know, I just have to come to him and he, he will listen to me, that he will, he will hear me. And obviously it, it wasn't, um, I didn't know his plans for me, um, but I could feel his presence um, I could feel that um, I, at, at this time I started thinking, you know, I'm going to have to give him a little bit of control because I was losing control of mm-hmm. not just the situation but of myself. And I felt like um, that, that, that this was what he was trying to do. He's like, it's time, you know, mm-hmm. you need to give me a little control now. And um, so um, where were we? I forgot what... <laughs> What point we're on? <laughs> we're talking about God's presence. Yeah. Yeah. I just want to tell folks something they may not know, because um, many of you haven't been around since 2006 in our church. But in April, I think, of 2006 it was, March, April, we sent down a team to do some Hurricane Katrina relief in Dauphin Island, Alabama. Mm-hmm. And the Hegbergs and their children were part of that, and Chris was part of that. And so then when was it that he started getting sick and having issues roughly and then? Um, it was 2009. It was, well, 2009 to 2010. So like three years later. Right. Stuff starts going wrong and you right. go to all kinds of doctors, mm-hmm. even like the Mayo Clinic, yeah, I remember, we right? Yeah, spent a week at the Mayo Clinic. Um, and then they finally come back with what diagnosis and where did he get it? It was um, coccidiomycosis is what it's called, um, also known as valley fever. Um, typically you get it out in the West, like Arizona, California area. Um, but they determined that he must have gotten it while we were in Dauphin Island from the, um, wood that we were using. Mm -hmm. And, um, because that wood was shipped, it kind of acts California. So, um, generally most people can just, it kind of acts as a cold or bronchitis type of deal. And you just kind of can get rid of it, but he does not produce the antibodies to fight that kind of infection. So it took hosts in his lungs and in his sinus area, and um, that was when um, his sinuses were infected and it eroded the bone, and so the infection went back to his eye and back, um, going back to his brain. Um, And that's scary stuff, and infection gets in your brain, that's... Yeah, yeah. You know, there was times I remember we were at the hospital with Chris, and Dave would have to leave and go across the street and get a radiation treatment. And, I mean, it was just like, I don't know. I just, it was, it was crazy. It was just scary. Um, So feeling God's presence might have been a stretch at that time. Yeah. But there were times I I did, you know. I mean, I remember in the hospital um, with Chris waking up in the morning, and I remember... Well, first, the night before in the emergency room, you and Sean showed up, and um, I hadn't called anybody. I hadn't told anybody, but um, somebody saw something on Facebook about praying for Chris, and you guys showed up, and I felt God's presence there. It was like only God could have brought you to it. It was like 11 o'clock at night, and, you know, I just, it was too late to bother anybody, and um, so there were times I felt God's presence, and I, I, I knew that he was there. Um, so those times were reassuring to me. Um, I felt God's presence, um, when Carol was, Dave's mom was, um, it was the last night that she was alive. We went to see her and it was the most miraculous thing that I've seen, um, because she was, um, physically not with us, or, you know, I mean, she was physically with us, but she had no um, life in her, Um, but she would, we walked in there, and she would just turn her head and stare up at the corner of the the room, and just get this smile on her face, and Dave and I both at the same time looked at each other, and we're like, we know. Yeah, she's looking into glory or something, She is, she is, I mean, she was a great Christian woman, and at, at those times, we're like, I, I thought in my head back to this verse, you know, that's her future. And, and that's our future as believers. And um, she's seeing something wonderful right now. Amen. 
And so there was hope there, and there was presence there, and, you know, there was future there. All of those things. You, you, you talk some about prayer and um, how things begin to change when you realize you had to give over control, whereas before there were times when it felt like your prayers weren't going anywhere and you needed to scream a little louder. But, you know, when we think about this vow of God's presence and we feel his presence through his word, but also we communicate with him through prayer. I mean, what was your prayer life like that during that time when Chris is in the hospital or you're trying to figure things out and Dave's still getting chemo treatments, I mean, back there in 2009? Um, In 2010, I guess, even moving forward, right? Right. Um, My prayer life, when this all started out, was strong. I mean, you know, it was, that was full force. And um, then then when things get busy and you kind of sometimes forget, almost like, you know, you get into this pattern of, okay, I got to do this. I got to take the kids here. I got to go to the hospital. I have to, you know, these different things. And sometimes I find myself forgetting to pray. I would find myself forgetting to pray. And um, uh, so then I would find a time anywhere that I could pray in my car, if I was getting groceries, which now I have delivered usually. But um, so I could find myself, you know, in the grocery store, just getting groceries and just walking and praying. You know, I, I found myself, I, you don't need to be on your knees in your bedroom or wherever praying, God is still hearing me no matter where I'm at. And so that made a huge difference to me when I could just get that um, sense of I don't have to be on my knees. I can be anywhere and he can hear me. So there's a lot about, I mean, I don't know what would happen if I prayed while grocery shopping. Um, You've got a question for all of us. What area of my life needs more prayer? What area of my life needs more prayer? Because God has told us, going back to our scripture in verse 12, he says that you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. It's an invitation from the God of the whole universe, the sovereign God of the whole universe, to you and I to pray to him. So are we going to accept his invitation? In what area of our life do we need to say, okay, I'm done trying to control myself. I'm done worrying about, because obviously I can't change it or fix it. But God, can you change me in the midst of it? That I would call upon you and pray to you. Um, Challenging for us to consider. Verse 13 goes on and says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Your fourth point on your outline Your fourth point says that God promises our relationship. What I mean by that is our relationship with Him. That God promises that when we seek Him, we will be found by Him. When we seek Him with all our heart. Um, You got your Bibles there. Turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 4. So it's right at the very beginning, right? Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. So the fifth book of the Bible. You ought to be able to find it. Deuteronomy 4, verse 29. It's one of those that, heaven knows when I first read it and I went, whoa. It echoes this passage of Scripture. It was written by Moses some thousand years before Jeremiah says it here. But keep in mind, inspired by the very same God to say this thing. Deuteronomy 4, 29, it says, But if from there... You seek the Lord your God, you will find Him if you look for Him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now, the interesting part for me is those first four words, but if from there. In my NIV 84, yours might read a little different. Um, Matter of fact, some of them put that phrase at the end of it. But what Moses is doing in Deuteronomy is he's Telling the people before they enter the promised land, here's all the idolatry in the past. Here's what he's going to do in the future. Here's the things you got to watch out for. And you are going to fall into idolatry. You are going to fall into sin. You will be judged. But in the midst of saying to him, you will be sinful, you will be idolatrous, you will be judged, he gives them this hope. But if from there you seek God. The thing I love about but if from there is where's your there? Where are you at right now in relation to God? 
Because God says to you in Deuteronomy 4.29, God says to you in Jeremiah 29.13, no matter where you're at, if you turn to Him and pray, He'll listen to you. So God promises our relationship with Him. God promises that He is with us. And notice that part in back over to Jeremiah, excuse me. When he says in verse 13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. The promises of God's hearing our prayers are contingent on one thing. Our wholehearted repentance. You might write it down shorthand this way. Repentance opens God's ears to prayers. You might even make it personal and say, my repentance opens God's ears to prayers. My repentance opens God's ears to prayers. He hears us every time. He desires a relationship with us all the time. But Scripture indicates that it's when we come to Him with a whole heart. In other words, our heart is fully focused on Him, not on ourself, not on our control. And even though we still struggle with our fear and our anxiety and our doubt, we're honestly, earnestly pursuing Him. And so we've repented of our sins. And our repentance opens God's ears to prayer. So, Lainey, this idea of uh, God promising a relationship, how did you see God in relationship with you through all the stuff that's going on? And, I mean, maybe, you know, kind of chronologically, things are getting better. Dave's all right. Chris gets better. I mean, what's happening? Uh, Tell us that. Um, Well, my mom had told me, um, my mom is a very wise woman. Um, She had told me, you know, in a year from now, she said, look back and look at all of um, the blessings in, and all the things that God gave you um, from the start to the begin, or from the start to the end um, and see the progression and the steps that, that was God working. Um, and so I did that, and I went back from the day that um, Dave was diagnosed. I, and anybody that knows me, I'm not, I'm, I'm, this is totally not me. Um, I, we sat there and I looked at the doctor and I said, are you a Christian? And, um, he goes, yes, I am. And by the time we were done, he sat with Dave and I at the table at the doctor's office and prayed with us. Um, he prayed before surgery. He prayed for his staff. He, um, you know, and I was so grateful at those times, but then I would also forget at those times, um, how blessed we were to have a Christian doctor that would pray with us. Um, so during this time, as I was reflecting back on all of the things, um, you know, I, I remember times where um, my heart would just physically, I would have pain in my heart and beg God to, to take away their pain and just give it to me. And um, I would remember that God is in control and he does care about our future. We have a future, you know. We, we were beginning to see that our future was going to be okay. Dave, Dave was well past the 24 months that they had told him um, Chris was healing. Um, yes, we lost Dave's mom, but what, I mean, we know where she's at and um, that was reassuring to us. He, my mom had asked Dave at one point, you know, are you scared to die? And he's like, I'm not scared. I know where I'm going. You know, and and the reassurance of that um, helped grow my relationship with Christ as well, um, and it just it just went to a more intimate and deeper place. My my relationship did with God. Um, he's nine years out, like I said, um, and I just feel like all of those things were were God's way of saying, you know, I do have a hope. And a future. Amen. You have a future, and, and this is what I wanted the whole time. Amen. So, Lenny got you to your fourth question, friends, and that's how genuine is my love for God. God pursues a continuing love relationship with each and every one of us, and it's real and it's personal. But we have to make an effort. It's like, you know, um, somebody courting you, but you're not interested in being courted. We've got to make an effort. So your question is, how genuine is my love for God? Remember, genuine means real, authentic. And I'm so thankful to hear that in the midst of really the hardest times of your life, if I had to guess, 
that coming out of it, Laney saw a deeper love for God. So moving to your fifth and final point on your outline, and that's the end of verse 14. But that point, if you want to write it down, is that God pledges our freedom. God pledges our freedom. Now take note before I move on with verse 14 at all the words you wrote in on the main points. What were they? If I go back, that God assures our sovereignty. God guarantees our future. God vows our presence. God promises our relationship. God pledges our freedom. I chose all those words on purpose. They're all synonyms for promise. I mean, I went to thesaurus.com and I went, which one sounds good? No, I, I really did. Because that's what I saw in the scripture. Remember who it is that says at the beginning of the scripture, it says, I, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. This is the sovereign God of the whole universe. And when he makes us a pledge, a vow, a promise, we can count on it. And look at what he says at the end of verse 14. I'll start in the beginning of verse 14. He says, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places I have banished you, declares the Lord, because they were in captivity and they were scattered abroad, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you to exile. In other words, I'm taking you back to the promised land that I prepared for you. Talk about a hopeful future, the land that God provided for you. So your point there is that God pledges our freedom. It says in some Bibles, I'll restore your fortunes. It literally means that God's going to overturn an imprisoned sentence. He's going to bring us back to the place he's prepared for us. There's all these pictures in that. So, Laney, how have you seen this idea of God giving you freedom in your life at work? Um, I, I feel a freedom basically from captivity. You know, I felt... Like, I was imprisoned in my own fear and um, hopelessness and helplessness. It, it really felt like you were in a prison. Um, and once I realized that um, my Father in Heaven loved me mm-hmm. and cared for me and w- wanted me to have a future and wanted my family to have a future and that, and that this was supposed to be a huge learning curve for us and a a time where we were to become closer as a family, but more even closer with God. You know, it was, Mm -hmm. it was a time for us to grow. Um, it was a time for Dave and I to grow closer to each other. Um, and I, I feel like, um, there was a sense of freedom with that, with finally just giving up that control and, um, because I just couldn't do it anymore. I finally just had to give it up, and, and it was freedom, total freedom. Hmm. Yeah. So we've got a question for all of us. It's not on your outline. But that question is, where do you need freedom? What habit, what fear, what anxiety, what emotion, what incident from your past, what unforgiveness what do you need freedom for you might write your answers pray about your answers we've got one concluding question on your outline and that is what did I learn from Laney's story now I I wanted you to take a moment or two and just think back what did you hear from Laney's story what did you hear from the scripture as well because Laney's story is illustrating our scripture for us What did you hear? Let's just take about 30 seconds and you write an answer. Don't put up your outlines yet because then Lainey's going to summarize what she learned along the way. You heard some of it already. But take about 30 seconds and write your own answer. What did I learn from Lainey's story? I asked Lainey on the phone last night to summarize and she was like, bam, bam, bam. I was like, wow. She knows her stuff. Then I thought, oh, wait a second. It's her life. Of course she knows her stuff. So Lainey, tell us. I can't remember. Oh, no. (laughs) I set her up and swing and a miss. Um. Uh, um, Well, there was so many things um, that I learned 
I learned that for one, you just, you can't take anything for granted. Mm. Um, because in one day, your whole world can be turned upside down, no matter whether it's a health issue, um, an accident, or, you know, a family issue, or whatever it may be. Um, but I've also learned that um, if I don't share my story, um, then what really is the point of what I've gone through? Mm. Um, and it's taken me a long time to figure that out. Um, but I feel like the reason we, we go through some of these trials and um, then we do come out of it, I, I think of all of the amazing things that Dave has done over the last nine years mm. and the people that he has impacted in his life. And I think, you know, wow, if he wouldn't have made it, think of all of those people he wouldn't have impacted. And, mm-hmm. and I think, um, you know, for me to not share my story um, would just not be fair. Um, God gave me this, this trial and gave us this, this time in our lives for me to help somebody else or to be um, that encouragement to somebody else. And I feel like um, that's part of um, the growing through this and the learning through this is um, you you do have to share it. Otherwise, people don't realize that it's okay and you can get through it. You know, you can. Amen. Let's pray together, church. Got to invite our praise team to come up. One special note for you is that Dave and Laney are going to be down front as well. And so if you'd like to pray with them, um, they can pray with you. If you'd like to pray with me about what you've heard this morning, you can pray with me. Whatever you want to do as you respond while we sing here in just a moment. But let me lead us in prayer. God, our Father, I thank you so very much for your faithfulness to us. And I thank you for your faithfulness that I've seen in my brother and my sister and everything they've been through. And the fact that we see a future and a hope in the Hegberg's life. And we pray that we see it in our lives as well. So God, we ask now that you would speak to us and whatever it is we need to surrender in order to get freedom, that we would do that. We ask that if there's anyone here who needs to trust Jesus as their personal Savior and Lord, even today, they'd come tell us and they'd do that. And that we would see your spirit move in Jesus' name. Amen.